You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, Episode 46. Allie Boone is a pilot, an aerospace engineer, a real estate investor, a rugby player, and a self-proclaimed beach bum. When someone asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up, her answer was happy. In my mind, Allie is the perfect example of the modern entrepreneur. She's intelligent, extremely gutsy, she's not afraid to take chances, and most of all, she's determined to follow her own path and her own dreams instead of settling for what the world might tell her she should be doing. I'm so excited to share this interview with you guys. Don't forget to go check out Allie's websites at hipsterinvestments.com and also alleyboon.com and her ebook that's available on her website. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Allie Boone. Listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Hustlenomics podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I am so excited to be talking with Allie Boone, formerly an aerospace engineer. She is now a lifestyle entrepreneur, business consultant, and real estate investor. She left her nine to five to pursue her ultimate freedom, which is being able to work from wherever she wants, whenever she wants. And fun fact, her ultimate goal is to someday challenge Tim Ferriss to a lifestyle design duel. So Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so, I love talking about business. So I'm super excited about this. Awesome. Well, let's just go ahead and jump in. So do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I, I currently live in Los Angeles. I'm from Georgia and I used to be an aerospace engineer. I worked in the industry for about five years. Uh, So it was the corporate setup. It was basically everything I hated. The aerospace part I liked. I was a pilot before I became an engineer So I kind of followed that whole, you know, get good grades, get a job, all that nonsense. And the minute I set foot in my cubicle, my first engineering job, I just hated it. Like I was like, oh no. And so, but I didn't know how to get out of it. And so I spent the next five years more or less just kind of chugging away at researching and trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do with myself and how to get out of corporate. It's all I knew is I wanted out of that. And one thing kind of led to another, and I ended up in the real estate investing field. And I started my company, Hipster Investments, based off of that. And we've now been in business for, oh, we just had our sixth birthday. Yeah, but it's been amazing. It's been a roller coaster. Uh, The entrepreneurial roller coaster phrase is no joke uh, from my experience, but it's so worth it. Like I am able to work from wherever I want to. I just need the internet. So even when I travel, I can keep working. Um, This weekend, for example, I'm going to Atlanta just to hang out, but I'm just taking my laptop to work. Yeah. So it's been, you know, it's, it, it's kind of shown me what all life can offer that most people don't really realize. And so I'm a huge fan of lifestyle design, lifestyle entrepreneurship, really just kind of creating the life that fits you. Like, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about myself until this journey in particular. And so it turns out I'm a lot of things I didn't realize. And it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a self-discovery on top of, you know, having a really cool, position. So yeah, that's kind of where I am. And I live in Venice Beach now. And I, you know, I've already, I went to my workout earlier today. I'm doing this podcast. I'm like, eh, I'll work later. So it's, it's really, it's really fun. I really like it. 
Well, that sounds like a really exciting journey. And I'd love to kind of go back a little bit. You said you started out as uh, working as a pilot and an engineer. So that is pretty like, it's kind of a job where you know where you're going from an early stage, right? It's kind of all set out for you. Am I right about that? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, yeah, you totally are. And I, the engineering thing only happened because I was a pilot before, like I said, and I was a flight instructor through grad school. And I had actually moved to go to school at a particular college that offered degrees in pro pilot, professional pilot. And once I got there, I was like, wait a minute, having a degree in professional pilot may not be the smartest thing I've ever done, because what if I don't want to be a pilot? And so I actually switched to the engineering side and I knew they made a lot more money than the pilots did. And I was like, oh, I'm sure engineering's got to be the same thing as flying. Turns out it's totally not, not even close. Um, but, you know, it was kind of that whole should idea. Like I should go to school to do this. I should get the job in this. I should go for the job security. You know, it was should after should after should. And that didn't make me happy at all. I do still fly, but en I hate engineering. That's so interesting. So I have definitely experienced that. Like I should be doing this. I, you know, I'm like the degree collector. I'm just following the rules. But then I'm thought to myself halfway through, like, you know, this is not the only option. So I'm curious to kind of hear about what your thought process was when you had been following that track for so long. And then all of a sudden you decided you wanted to take a really sharp left turn. What was that like? Was it terrifying? Were you, was it exciting? What were you thinking? Well, I think... And for the most part, it was pretty natural for me because even though I was following the shoulds before that, they were my shoulds. Like I've never really been one to follow what other people say I should be doing. It was more my own should. Like I thought it was the good idea. I should do this. And it was so, but like, even, I remember being a kid though and thinking like, I never wanted to work for someone. Even as a kid, I hated authority. I mean, I don't hate authority to the point, like I'm not obnoxious about it. I just don't like anyone telling me what to do. And there's a good chance I'll do completely the opposite just because someone has told me what to do. And which is hilarious that I ever thought I'd be a military pilot because <laughs> that would have gone over well. Um, <laughs> now I see in hindsight why that didn't work out. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't terrifying at all. It was more of a, I, I feel like I'm fortunate in, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily have the knowing that I've always had. Like when I get my mind set on something, it's, it's happening. Like happiness has always been my goal. Even as a kid, like everyone's like, Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like happy. Like I, that was just kind of, and I've just been the kind of person to do whatever that takes to just be happy. And yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if that feeling comes naturally to a lot of people. So I'm fortunate I've, I've had that drive. No, I wasn't, I wasn't scared just because the knowing was so strong that that's what I needed to do. I love that idea of, of chasing happiness instead of like a, what you think you should be doing. And a lot mm -hmm. of people who I've talked to, um, whether they've been listeners or guests, um, they've kind of mentioned the whole thing where they went and got a degree in something and then they decided halfway through or after they finished, oh shit, I really want to do something else now. And like, I just spent yeah. how much money and how many years getting this degree <laughs> and now it's going to be useless. To be honest, yeah. over, I mean, I've read some stats that are like over 50% of people of college grads who get a degree in something end up working in another field. So what would be some advice you yeah. would give to those people who are thinking, did I just waste all that time? Well, I don't think any time ever is wasted, ever. And even my, my engineering degree, like it, I can still make a mean spreadsheet. <laughs> like I, you know, I, I got some pretty good skills out of the engineering. Um, but it really, 
in my mind, looking back, it contributed so much to what I'm doing now. Like, you know, even just being in the corporate setting, as much as I hated it, it also gave me insight into how big businesses work. And I was with a huge company. And so my business, I, I have no intentions whatsoever of ever replicating that level of corporate stuff. Um, but it taught me so, I mean, I just, I didn't, I never took a business class ever. All of my classes were aerospace or planes or engineering or integrals or something. And so I knew nothing about business. And so getting the experience as a corporate worker taught me so much on that front. And it, you know, it's problem solving and part of entrepreneurship, there's a lot of problem solving. Like you're going to get slapped with challenges just left and right. And you have to be able to kind of work yourself out of that. So I think the experience was phenomenal. Plus, I mean, my job in particular, I was working as a top secret flight test engineer. So I, it was really pretty cool. I was still bored as all get out, but you know, I got to see cool things. I just, you know, I got to do the coolest things that I can never tell anyone about. But, you know, it, in my mind, there's no point in thinking you wasted anything. And no matter what degree you get, I totally believe nowadays because degrees are so popular, unless you're doing something really specialized, I really don't think it matters what degree you get. And I, I fully expect, again, unless you're super specialized, I fully expect everyone to do something completely different than their degree. And, you know, it's all about no matter what you do in life, what degree it is, if you go to a weekend workshop or whatever is find things you can learn. Like I've been to those, I said, I'm in real estate investing. I've been to those weekend workshops where it's a bunch of gurus trying to sell you stuff the whole time. But just listening for the little tidbits that I could pull out of it and use to my advantage made the money worth it. And that's, you know, looking back on a degree is like, I don't think any degree is wasted. It's just how can you use it for what you're trying to do? Or, you know, what did that experience teach you? And I, I'm a big fan of that no regrets thing. And I don't think any money is wasted, honestly. Yeah, I totally agree. And once you shift that mindset of finding value in every single experience, instead of thinking, mm -hmm. oh, this is such a waste, I think that completely changes yeah. your mindset, not just for business, but just life in general. Yeah, that whole happiness thing works out a lot better when you start seeing the perks and everything instead of focusing on what didn't work. Because the more you focus on that, it's just going to keep holding you back. And, you know, what good is it doing you other than making you lose sleep at night? True. Very true. So what made you choose real estate? What drew you to that as where you wanted to start your business? Well, I actually... I. I hate saying that real estate kind of fell in my lap because that sounds like I didn't have to put any work into it, which is totally not the case. But it really goes to what I kind of preach about building businesses in general. So I said in the beginning that I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, I knew I needed out of corporate, I but I had no idea how that was going to happen. So I started researching and just playing with anything I could find. And I was reading books like actual old school hardcover books. And what I figured out is that either you have to start a business or you have to do something in real estate to get out of corporate. Like, how are you going to fund your life? And so I started just learning about both of those. Again, I didn't know a skill. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I kept researching and playing with it and investigating and going to random workshops and just trying to get all the information. And at some point I realized I was going to have to pick one route or another because I was learning too much about, or let's see, a little about a lot or whatever you want to call it. And so I actually decided to go the business route. And so I was like, okay, now I've picked one. What am I going to start a business in? And I didn't know that answer either. And funny. So this was probably, this was easily three, three and a half years into my uh, exploration, if you will. 
And so I decided to start a business. I had no idea what in. And a couple of weeks later, I was sitting at my corporate job. I was bored. And I got this advertisement for this particular real estate investment opportunity. It was a webinar. And I was so bored at work. I was like, well, I'll watch this. And one thing kind of led to another. It, it shifted my focus, not as a way to get out of corporate, but I was like, wait, I'm kind of interested in this. So I was like, well, you know, while I'm trying to figure out my way out of corporate, I can start investing in real estate while I still have a paycheck and, you know, do something smart with my money. And one thing led to another and all the contacts that I made through that investment opportunity. And over the course of the next, uh, I guess, year to year and a half, my, my business model and everything else kind of formed itself. And so I had mentioned before, this is one of my big preachings and businesses. I'm really a big believer of that organic thing. Like, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but you know, they say like, do what you love and the money will follow. And I don't necessarily believe that as much as are you already doing something that's making you money and, you know, build on that because if it's already happening, like what would be the next step? Like, Oh, because if you follow what's natural for you or what's happening naturally, I just feel like you can excel with it so strongly versus picking something and trying to make it happen, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. With that, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I absolutely put the work into it. And I put the effort into it and I tried and tried and tried. But at the end of the day, I ultimately didn't pick real estate, which was ironic because then I ended up creating or starting a real estate business, which I thought they were going to be separate. But yeah, so that's kind of how it happens. That's awesome. And so you mentioned you were working in your corporate job and you were just bored out of your mind. And that's, I think, hilarious because your job sounds like the most crazy, exciting thing in the world, right? <laughs> so like, what about um, investing and real estate and that kind of world? That What is that you find really exciting? What gets you going? On one hand, you know, like if I'm shopping for properties or I'm looking through investment properties, like I actually do love seeing different houses. I love, you know, when I started buying for myself, I loved picking out my property and I love the passive income and all that. But, and I, I honestly love talking about real estate, but for me, it's more of a vehicle. And so in all of this reading and those hard copy books, which I keep emphasizing because I think it's hilarious because nobody reads hard copy books anymore except for me, I feel like. But I started reading a lot about passive income and lifestyle design and real estate. It's, it's a vehicle. For, so ultimately, like with my goal being happiness, I'm like, okay, what makes me happy? Flexibility, no commitments, uh, freedom, I think is probably the biggest word for what makes me happy. If I'm free to choose my day and choose what I do and choose who I hang out with and choose to say yes to someone wanting to go to lunch, you know, I, choices for me are huge. And so I was like, well, what's going to give me that? And it's passive income, really. Like it's money that I don't have to be present for to earn necessarily. And, um, real estate, offers that. And so as this kind of all started panning out, you know, my flexibility and freedom, both for me, it's from the business and from real estate, but you can do it just with real estate is, you know, for example, I work with rental properties and I have property managers who manage them. So I don't have to be there when a toilet breaks, which is huge. And so it's, it's the, my true passion is more in what real estate offers me more than real estate itself. And so like on the investing front, you always hear about flipping houses and swinging hammers and on and on and on. And I don't do any of that because that's work. And happiness for me involves a lot less work. 
And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the vehicle part of real estate. I love it. Okay. So how did you choose your name? It's such a unique name, Hipster Investments. How did you come up with that? And what is the story behind it? Well, you know, I actually still am a little self-conscious about the name because let's be honest, it's kind of ridiculous. And I'm also not a hipster at all. Like I'm much more of a hippie than a hipster and hipsters. It's, I mean, they have a horrible reputation. So (laughs) how it all came and you can imagine the, um, the backlash when I was throwing this name out at people, they were like, Oh my God, why would you name your company that? But they're initially why I did it was because in real estate investing in particular, I'm sure a lot of industries are like this, but real estate investing to me is a very stuffy, intimidating, potentially scammy industry. Like all these dudes in suits sitting behind the desk telling you what you should do. And they're like, Oh, you should buy this thing. I'm like, wow, that sounds terrifying, but you don't really know. And, you know, everyone's got these fancy company names. And I just, it to me, it always struck me as an industry where you don't necessarily know who you can trust. It's overwhelming because a lot of people, I mean, I didn't learn anything about real estate in school. It's like, oh, why well, should dive into this industry? I know absolutely nothing about with a lot of scammers and everything else. So originally the goal with the name, if you actually look up the definition of hipster, it actually fits pretty well. You know, there's a rebellion factor. There's doing something outside of the norm factor, which is totally me and my company. But it was a name that would stand out because I just needed something to look different than all the stuffy names uh, everywhere else, because my whole presence is online. Like that's where that my whole business is online. So when somebody sees something like hipster investments, they're like, what the hell? And then they click on it. And I knew that if they clicked on it and it went to something ridiculous, it was going to be horrible. So I knew I needed something really solid for them to land on when they click, but it makes them click. And then the second thing that ended up happening over the years, which I was not expecting, but it's been amazing, is the reality is I just don't want to work with everybody because a lot of people are, well, assholes, kind of. So like, you know, as a company and as a person and whatever, the reality is I can't work with every single person in this world. So if I can't work with everyone anyways, I would much prefer to work with the people that I like and that I get along with and that share similar, you know, ideas and whatever. And there's been people out there that have just slammed the name. But when I see things they write and I, you know, I kind of look into who's saying this, I'm like, like, I would never want to work with them ever. (laughs) And and so it's kind of become a a client filter, if you will. Like I have so many people that come over and they're like, oh my God, that's the coolest company name ever. And I'm like, you are already fun. Let's work together. And so it's kind of, it's a twofold thing. It makes people click and it has filtered quite a few assholes out to be totally honest. Yeah. And I think that's great advice for anybody who's struggling with how to like put that first foot forward online, but even if you can't be in person and as well as, you know, looking at the industry and finding a gap and filling that gap. I think that's great advice for people out there who may be struggling a little bit with how to make themselves stand out. Well, and a quick note about that too, is when I was picking the name, I truly, I don't think I sent it to one person, not even my mentor, not my family, not anyone all of them were like, dear God, don't, (laughs) please don't make your company name that. Like, that sounds horrible. And I was like, I get it. But I had this gut feeling that would not let go. Like I could not get this name out of my head. And that's why I say I'm still self-conscious about it. Because I kind of was like, okay, I got to do it. Oh God. And I clicked it. And even now when I see it, I'm like, God, how many people think this is totally stupid? But it was this feeling I couldn't get rid of. And it goes back to that whole thing about should or shouldn't. 
the should in that scenario would have been that I make the company name something proper sounding or something professional sounding or whatever. And that, you know, I was almost terrified not to do the should, but the should, it would have, I don't, can't say for sure it would have tanked me, but so much good has come out of picking the name I thought was absolutely ridiculous that, you know, it's really a testament to that gut feeling that building organically, like trust yourself and realize that a lot of people chiming in, they don't, you know, take advice and, you know, listen to people. But at the end of the day, kind of go with, kind of go with what you're feeling. You'd be surprised how it turns out. Absolutely. And in my mind, there's almost like no solid mold like there used to be for if you're starting a business, this is what you do. This is the mold you follow. This is the template you follow. And of course there's like trends that, you know, you see everywhere. It's like, oh, that business looks like everyone else's. But um, the thing is, is like, there's almost no mold anymore. You're just going to create it yourself. And that's what I feel like has opened up this ability for everybody to, you know, be able to be their own boss and start their own business, which is exciting for everybody. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, looking in your industry and finding a gap. Like if you can fill that gap and just either sound different or offer something different or just somehow be different, like figure out how you can stand out. I mean, sadly, a lot of companies stand out to me because they have good customer service. It's horrible that that's even an impressive note, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small thing that goes a long way. So I, yeah, I love that you said that is just figure out you know, how to stand out in your industry and it can, it can really take you far. Yeah. What problem can I solve or how can I solve it differently? <laughs> That's yeah. always what I think to myself. Yeah. So you mentioned passive income, which is something that, you know, I, it was never even on my radar um, until about like six months to nine months ago, but I would love for you to kind of define what passive income is for our listeners who maybe don't know what it is and how you've set that up in your business to allow you to have all the freedom that you do. Yeah, it's I passive income is probably my favorite topic on the planet um, just because it allows me. I mean, truly, like I one of my biggest joys in life is sleeping in. I love waking up when my body wants to wake up and just having that ability in my life. I can't even tell it like it sounds super lazy and whatever you want to call it, but it is really joyful. And so passive income allows for things like that. So Passive income, I don't know what the formal definition would be, It's but a lot of people call it money that you don't have to work for, which I don't like that definition because I put a lot of work into it. But I have the freedom to go where I want, do what I want, when I want, and the income still happens. And so to give an example, kind of an illustration, there's, in my mind, there's two ways to get passive income. Real estate is one of them, for example. So I have rental properties in Atlanta, actually, we were talking about Atlanta earlier, And I have property managers who handle it. So I don't have to be there day to day. I don't have to live near the property. I don't have to do anything other than occasionally answer their phone call or give a maintenance approval or whatever it may be. But for the most part, I don't have to be there and I still get a check every month. And on the business side, it's so one of my favorite business books ever is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael, is it Gerber? I always mix up the Michael authors, Michael Gerber, I think. And he talks a lot about this where um, basically, well, and even Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad really kind of brought this to everyone's attention is if you start a business, then it's a question of, are you working in your business or are you working on your business? And if you're working in your business, let's say you make pizzas, 
and you open up a pizza business and you're the one making the pizzas, well, that's great. You have your own business, but you're working in your business and you're required to be there in order to generate the income because you have to make the pizzas. Whereas if you, let's say you were the founder of like Pizza Hut or something, you start this franchise thing, you don't have to be present and you're not there. You're not working in the business. You're working on the business. And so the way that I've applied that with mine is I have a handful of employees. They're actually independent contractors, but I have a handful of people who do the bulk of hipsters work for me. And what that allows me to do is number one, spend my brain time on how to grow hipster, you know, bigger picture type of things. And occasionally I chime in if there's, you know, whatever going on with a client and I can chime in and help. But the other thing it allows me is I can pick up and go on vacation for a week and it's no big deal because everything's taken care of for me. So it's this out it's this idea of outsourcing, which a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time doing because they don't want to release the controls over whatever the job tasks are. But as soon as you can bring yourself to do that and you can get the business running without you having to be there every minute of the day, you're now generating passive income. So I have I'm a mix. I have my business and I have my real estate. So but both of those things I get checks every however often and I never had to be physically present anywhere. And I, you know, earlier this year, I popped off to Alaska for 10 days. A couple weekends ago, I went to Mexico, um, you know, and I'm going to Atlanta this coming up week to just kind of hang out and do whatever and income still comes. So it's kind of a long winded uh, illustration of passive income, but that's really what it is, is money that can still come in without you physically being there. Yes. It's like one of the coolest things that I've learned about recently. And I'm thinking of maybe trying to implement that in my business. And I'm always curious to hear about everybody's perspective from somebody who's found it to be successful. So that's awesome. Having passive income and having a team and, you know, being someone that doesn't have to be physically present, you know, all the time, that's a huge change from being just an employee and like maybe the corporate world. So I'd love to hear what has been your journey going from an employee to what I would consider like a CEO position where you're managing, you don't have to be, you know, 100% physically there all the time. What's that transition been like? Uh, It's been on the big scale. It's been amazing for sure. The first year of entrepreneurship, I'd quit my job. I quit a little before I had quite the nest egg that I was hoping I would have, but I was just, I was the one problem I had, I started building my business while I still had the engineering job, but for the last like six to nine months, I was working at a top secret classified location during the week. So I had very limited access to unclassified computers where I could actually work on real estate stuff. And well, they kind of frown on you doing that on the job. But um, so I got, I ended up quitting the job sooner than I would have liked just because I was too restricted on access to keep building it. And so the first year, I tell people all the time, I had never been more broke in my life, but I had also never been happier. And the first year was exhausting. I had, I mean, it was like I had gotten thrown into a tunnel of lions and I had to kind of learn some things that I wasn't expecting to learn. The big one being kind of relinquishing control. Like one thing about flying airplanes and engineering is I could make anything I wanted happen for the most part. Like if a plane starts going crazy or starts whatever, I have the option to do something about it. And if I want a plane to do something in particular, I have the option to make that happen. Same with engineering, even on the most complicated engineering problem, I have the option to solve it. I have the option to do something about it. And what I learned very quickly about starting a business is that I didn't always have the option to make something happen. 
And so I very quickly had to start realizing that and changing my mindset, which is a little hard for a complete engineer pilot control freak like myself. And so that was a big shift in year one. And from that point on, there was always, I mean, there was financial stress the first year. I never knew where my rent check was coming, but that's also part of that control thing too, is I had to just be okay with that. Whereas in the past, if I even like missed a accidentally missed a utility payment or something, I would totally freak out. Well, there were some payments I just couldn't make the first year. And I, I kind of, it was, it was humbling to say the least, but aside from building the business, it really became a journey of self-discovery. Like it, it forced me to have a whole new mindset on things. It forced me to just be okay with the unknown. It forced me to be okay with the idea that maybe I couldn't pay the electric bill one month. And from that point on, it just, it really became amazing. So I learned a lot about business. I had already read a gazillion books. I really, I had a phenomenal mentor who really, really, probably I wouldn't be where I was without him. And I recommend that for everyone is find someone who's already doing something similar to what you're doing and and doing it well and, and take them on as a mentor. Cause I, I would have lost my sanity, but there was a lot of sanity testing in those first few years. And even now, like I'm in real estate. I don't necessarily get a check every month and nothing really is guaranteed. And so there's still, you know, those kind of downsides, but I wouldn't trade it for the world at all. Like I miss my every Friday paycheck and great health insurance. But if I weigh the pros and cons of everything, it's, you know, peace out to the Friday paycheck. I, my first year of entrepreneurship, my mom, you know, my parents were terrified about this whole thing. They're like, seriously, you have what people perceive to be the dream job with ultimate job security and great paycheck. And you're just going to toss that out the Venice beach window. Like, Oh, Oh, good. This will be, this will be exciting. And she asked me when I was super broke one time, she said, you know, would you ever consider going back to engineering? And my, my snap reaction was I would sooner be homeless on Venice beach before I ever went back to a nine to five. Like that's how, powerful of a lifestyle it's been for me. And I, to this day, I would sooner just drive for Lyft or something. Like I can't go back to a nine to five ever. Yeah, I definitely understand that sentiment. I went through it, but just getting out of that strict, like have to be in a cubicle, like I was having to clock in and clock out with my fingerprint. It was just getting to be too much. So I definitely understand that sentiment. Yeah. And I think uh, you had said earlier about like how cool my job was or how cool it sounds, whatever. And I think it's a really valid point kind of tying some things together that we've said is that I absolutely did have the dream job. I mean, I was working with the coolest things and places that, I mean, if I could actually put a lot of the stuff on my resume, I would, it would just like astronomically cool. And, but, the but it's such a thing about really being true to yourself is no matter how cool that was and no matter how great the job security was and no matter how great the paycheck was, it wasn't me. And you know, the cubicle wasn't me. My business casual wardrobe was absolutely horrible. Like it wasn't me. And so it's such a strong message to, you know, no matter what it is or those whole shoulds and whatever is really that whole staying true to yourself and following what really gets you excited is, I mean, it really is a powerful thing, despite, you know, whatever the rest of the world perceives as cool or great or whatever it is, like you have to listen to yourself in that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I would like to kind of jump over to another topic. I saw on your website that you have an ebook. Do you mind talking a little bit about what that is about? Yeah, the ebook was, uh, it's called Turnkey Rental Properties 101. So Turnkey Rental Properties are the kind of investments that I work with, but it's Turnkey Rental Properties 101, uh, the definitive guide to hands-off 
real estate investing or rental properties or something. It's I actually wrote it a few years ago. Um, and we actually just cut the price down because it's a, not out. The information's not outdated, but um, it's just, you know, not quite a stand out of a turnkey market these days. My favorite. So in the idea of this passive income thing, the ebook it was, it's fantastic on the passive income because in the, I only had to write it once and I only had to do the work on it once. And it's been giving me income ever since then. So from a business perspective, and especially on the passive income front, writing a book or writing an ebook is a fantastic way to go towards passive income. Because like I said, you only, I only had to do the work once and the work in the beginning, I'm, I've been a big writer. I'm known for my writing in the real estate industry. Like that's kind of how I got my name. And so the writing part was fine, but I'll tell you what, writing an ebook or a book or whatever, the number of edits. And I swear, if I read that ebook now, I would find an edit to make. Like I had to cut myself off. And so um, my marketing girl and I, what we have a kind of a funny setup is I'm not, super well-versed on the emotional front. Like I don't get it necessarily. So anytime I write copy for anything, I write it and she adds the emotional appeal. Like I, that's just kind of our jam. And so I wrote the ebook first, sent it to her. She added all the emotional appeal because I don't understand how to do that. And then it was back and forth with editing and typos. And I mean, it was, it felt like it was never going to end. And then I had to find people to do the cover. I didn't know how to make it ebook format, any of that kind of stuff. So I had to go through that whole process. And I would say the whole process, I mean, it had to have lasted, I would imagine easily six months, maybe more. But once it was done, it was done. And I think that it was done a few years ago and we've had a ton of sales on it. We actually just put it on Amazon this year because we've only, we had only sold it direct on the website for so long. But once, you know, it, it, not obsolete, but once it became a little older and whatever, we decided to just go ahead and get it on Amazon. But yeah, I, I really think I'm actually about to uh, work with a publishing company to do a real book now. So I'm really, really excited about that for all the same reasons. I'm dreading the editing, but um, yeah, in the ebook, you know, again, with this whole going with what's natural for you, I'm a natural writer. Like the, I, I don't do videos because I'm not very natural at them, but I'm a natural writer. And so the ebook was a great fit for just, you know, pretty easy income and to keep my name out there. That's awesome. So are you allowed to talk about the next book you're writing or is that still under wraps? No, it's, um, so I actually have my little outline right here. I actually have started, I'm probably halfway through writing about four or five books, which is absurd. But I admit that the reason I haven't really finished it, I think, is I knew that once I finished one, I was going to have to figure out the whole publishing process. And I just have no interest in learning that. And, you know, I kept waiting for a publisher to knock on my front door, but no one ever came. So... I kept not finishing books just out of dread of having to figure out then what to do with it. And I just talked to a guy um, earlier this week who kind of solved that problem for me. So I'm about to go back to one I had already started. And I don't know what the name's going to be, but it's it's going to be real estate investing. Um, I think I told you before, I actually like talking about business and other and lifestyle design better than real estate. But I, I have, um, I've been an author for real estate investing. I think I have about 180 articles out there. So real estate is going to be the easiest start for me because I've already written it all. And so now I just have to pull what I've kind of already written and redo it into a book. And so I'll tell you the, um, not subtitle, but like 
right under the title that I'm thinking about, it says, uh, it's what Rich Dad, Poor Dad Didn't Tell You. If you don't know that book, it's a very famous uh, real estate investing book that got most people started. So it's what's it's what Rich Dad, Poor Dad Didn't Tell You, what nobody wants to tell you, and what you won't read in anything written by a guy in a suit. Like, that's kind of the idea of the book is, um, it's a little bit more of like a big picture, psychological, you know, it's not a technical how to, it's not how to flip houses. It's not whatever. It's just, it's more mindset based. So I'm actually pretty excited about it. Like I'm hoping it sounds as different in the industry as my company name does. <laughs> that is super exciting. Well, I would love for you to let me know when everything gets finished and it's out there so I can share it. Um, I know a lot of my listeners are definitely going to want to check that out. So just kind of wrap things up. Do you have, and I know this is a hard question. It's like (laughs) dreaded by some people, but do you have like a piece of advice that really helped you get through starting your business that you would give to someone who's just in the beginning stages and something that you think would be helpful? Just a piece of advice. Yeah. So it's actually my favorite quote and favorite piece of advice. And it happens to be very applicable to kind of what we've talked about is my favorite quote. And I think about this every day and I use this every day is don't take advice from people you wouldn't trade shoes with. And so the idea behind that, you know, I mentioned I had a mentor and my mentor had his own online independent location, you know, this whole mobile kind of company set up. He was doing, he was basically leading the life that I wanted. And I, the, first time I met him, I kept looking at him. I was like, okay, what, what's happening here? And how are you doing this? Like, I, I need to know what, what are you doing? Like, because I wanted to trade shoes with him. And so from minute one, basically everything he told me, I took his advice and that's now where I am. And so as we talked about, you know, I had a lot of people frowning on me. They're like, oh my God, you'd give up the top secret flight test. You're an idiot. Like you can't do that. But all those people who said that I wouldn't want to trade shoes with them. And in real estate, I don't want to trade shoes with the stuffy guy in a suit behind a desk. I want to trade shoes with the person who can go on vacation. So as you start a business, there's going to be so many voices coming at you and so much information online in books where there's just, there's a lot of talk and a lot of chatter. And so I really think it's helpful if you can find in all of that, find the people who are doing what it is you're actually trying to accomplish and focus on them. Like it's not to say don't ever take advice from anyone else, but, you know, really consider the source and it could be, you know, your beloved mother, you could love her dearly, but if you don't want to trade shoes with her, you know, be leery about taking her advice. So that's, that's my one. Don't take advice from people you would not trade shoes with. I've never heard that before, but I absolutely love it. I think that's awesome. <laughs> so I would love for you to go ahead and tell us how we can find you. Cause like I said, I know the listeners are definitely going to check out everything you're doing. So do you mind letting us know website, social media, all that? Yeah, I have quite a few. The easiest way, if you, I love talking to people. I love saying hi. That's also partially why I was such a bad engineer. They're not quite as, um, <laughs> I, I drove them nuts trying to say hi to everybody. Um, <laughs> so you can always email me directly, Allie, A-L-I, at hipsterinvestments.com. And then, you know, for sure, if you email me, let me know you've found me on this podcast. And then uh, my company's name or website is hipsterinvestments.com. And then we... Uh, hipster has a Facebook page. It's just slash hipster investments. I do not, I've never had a personal Facebook page, so don't look for me there. Uh, but hipster's got a page and then we're me and the company both are on Instagram and Twitter. 
there at Hipster Invest. And I'm AllieBoone.com with the dot spelled out. So D-O-T-C-O-M. And I honestly don't have many Instagram followers. And Instagram's my thing. So I'd be super excited if people started following me there. Yeah, guys. Oh, no. We love self-promotion on here. We encourage it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, and you know, like I said, reach out on Instagram or Twitter or email or whatever, and let me know, found me here. And I just, I would love to talk to people. I love, especially women. And you know, it's, I don't get to talk. I talk to my dog a lot during the day, but I don't otherwise, you know, um, I love meeting people. So definitely don't hesitate. Don't think you're going to be a burden, anything like reach out. Awesome. Well guys, we'll link to all of those in the show notes can be found on the blog section of the website. So you guys can, you know, go check everything out that Allie is doing. And Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so fun to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me, and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.